This is the Negro League Podcast with Preach Jacobs. Podcast, go by the name of Preach Jacobs. We are sponsored by Mo Better Soul Clothing. Go to MoBetterSoul.BigCartel.com. Enter the code Negro to save 10% on your next order. Sorry for the motherfucking delay. I've been really, 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 really busy. It's been probably, I don't know, three weeks, um, maybe more than that. I don't know. Had some shows, had some events, and um, i just been tired, man. Like, you know, this is a one-man operation. I think they ain't got no... <laughs> no production crew where you can record stuff and somebody will take it and do the editing and all that good stuff for you. So my apologies. Um, I think our last episode was about the Avengers and I felt like it was like eons ago. Um, before we get into the interview that we have, uh, we were going to do a Game of Thrones joint. Um, me and Bobby Blue Blam was going to do it. But man, I was so disappointed with that Game of Thrones. I, I don't even feel like it's worth talking about. Right. Like it was just like, eh. Um, if you're going to watch anything, go see the new John Wick. That movie was fucking amazing. That shit was pretty great. And I think there's people like cutting grass outside my house. But um, I don't know if the microphone is going to pick it up or not. Fuck it. But um, yeah, if you're going to watch something, go watch that shit. Um, housekeeping rules. I think the next event we got in Columbia, South Carolina, we have a new law session that's coming up July the 6th. Um, we're going to have tickets for sale also at mobitasoul.bigcartel.com. Get your tickets for it. It's going to be dope. It's going to be fresh. Shout out to the homie Tall Black Guy. Uh, we had a show in Charlotte um, a couple of weeks ago, and it was pretty incredible. So um, thank you to everybody that came out to that. Thank you for everybody that supported the video, uh, gifted people. If you guys want to check the video out, just follow me on Instagram and all that good shit at Preach Jacobs or go to at Soul and you'll see how we have, we have the link up there and all that good stuff. Um, I think that's it, man. Uh, the interview that we got, man, is the homie Slop Funk Dust, who also came to the Tall Black Guy show. I would have recorded a podcast while we were out there, but we was too busy and having so much fucking fun out there. Shout out to him. For anybody that's like, you know, fans of, of like OK Player and uh, Underground Hip Hop Message Boards, he's a name that you've seen around. And he was a name that I knew when I first was introduced to Little Brother. Uh, so we talk a little bit about that. We talk about the music industry. And we also talk about, you know, who the asshole rappers that are out there that you shouldn't meet. <laughs> And uh, the shit that we couldn't talk about on the air is probably more uh, mind-boggling. But um, shout out to Slop Funk Dust, and uh, we about to get into that motherfucking interview right now. Peace. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Negro League Podcast. I go by the name of Preach Jacobs. We are sponsored by Mo Better Soul Clothing. Go to mobettersoul.bigcartel.com. Enter code NEGRO to save 10% on your next motherfucking order, motherfucker. Sorry, we guys, we've been gone for a few weeks. Nigga been busy, been traveling, been doing some shows, but I got a motherfucking guest on the motherfucking phone. Uh, this guy, I, I guess, I don't know when the first time I saw this dude. I saw him on the music boards on, on uh, was it undergroundhiphop.com, OK Player, someone that was instrumental in my first times hearing Little Brother. He goes by the name of Slop Funk Dust. What's the dilly, yo? What's good, fam? Yo. Everything is good, man. It's good catching up with you um, this past weekend in Charlotte, man. Yeah, man. Um, pretty. Surp- I haven't been to Charlotte in like 15 years, and uh, 
I can say that the city has definitely made a change for the better, for the most part. Yeah, man, it's it's pretty dope. Like I live in Columbia, which is like an hour and a about an hour and a half away, and you know, Columbia. Every time we're in the news, it's always some bad shit. Like it's always like you know, fucking Confederate flag or you know, forty ninth in education. I mean. I guess technically being in a southern city, like we're not as bad as like fucking, <laughs> you know, uh, cities in Alabama right now. But uh, you know, we're, we're pretty, we we suck. So it's kind of cool to do some shit yeah. in Charlotte. Yeah, you know, you know, but I still have. Columbia. I didn't know. I didn't know it was that. I, I, I didn't know it was being, that bad. Listen, I'm being kind of facetious. It's like a nigga dating a supermodel, and you'd be like, "Damn, she fine." He'd be like, "Man, take her. She gets on my fucking nerves." You know what I mean? So it's kind of that. So not saying Columbia is a supermodel, but you know, sometimes like when you're around this shit all the time, you see the flaws more than anything else. So no, I get it, man. I I lived in Fayetteville for a while. Oh, really? So I get it. Yeah, I went to uh, junior high and high school there. So where are you from? Originally, I'm from London. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Born and grew up. Um, just born. I moved to uh, <laughs> I moved to Guam when I was like three, and then um, I moved to Hawaii, and then I moved to North Carolina, and then I moved to Florida. Was this all military? My dad was in the. Okay. Yeah, my dad was in the Air Force, so bounced around a lot. You still got family in uh, in London? Yeah. Um, the only family I have that lives in America is uh, my dad's side of the family. They live in Miami. Everybody else lives in Jamaica or London. Okay. So who was the, who was the music person that kind of got you involved with it? Like who, who had the record collection or who was the person that probably put that spark in your, in your ears? Uh, my dad and my uncle, um, they used to have house parties and DJ all the, like every weekend, my parents would have a party downstairs. So I was always, always, always uh, surrounded by dope records for the most part. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I remember sneaking down to the bottom of the stairs and, you know, watching the party and seeing my dad going from the turntable to the reel to reel, like Jesus really Christ. just flipping it with all the. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of crazy, man. Like, he uh when he first came to America from Jamaica, uh, my aunt told me that he used to set up his sound system on the roof of their building and uh throw parties and shit. So it's wow. kinda just some crazy uh embedded uh Jamaican shit for the most part. <laughs> so so when did you get started like especially like producing? Like what was like how old were you made like your first beat? Not your, it don't have to be your first dope beat because everybody's first beat is like, yeah. you know what I mean? But what was like the first thing that you made and what did you use to make it on? Um, the first beat I actually worked on was probably in about 92 or 93. Mm-hmm. Me and my man um, Raheem and my other homeboy Damon had a group we were called the Sounds of Silence. Mm. And we didn't have anybody to make beats, so we found a loop on a record that we wanted and went to this studio, and this guy showed us how to loop it up. Um, and then we rhymed on it, and that was kind of the beginning. Um, then after that, I ran into my homie Funk Ghost because uh, I had came across uh, ASR-10 that happened to fall off the back of a truck, <laughs> and um, I didn't know how to use it. So I called my homeboy, his brother was kind of a well-known producer in the area. So I went to his crib 
And uh, he showed me how to work it. I remember sitting there. I think I still got the notebook where I wrote all the notes down on how to do whatever it was I wanted to do. And uh, just been banging out since then. So I got my first piece of equipment in 93 or 94. So that's probably when I really got into actual production. I used to be a rapper before that. What made you stop? I felt like I got better at making beats. And I felt like... I had said everything I had to say anymore. I was like, I wrote a rap and it was like, okay, I'm saying the same exact thing that I've been saying, just using different vocabulary. <laughs> That's hip hop. Um, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, I was just, I got tired of that shit. Like, I just didn't feel like it was a, a creative enough outlet for me. And like I said, I got better at making beats. Like, my beats just kept getting better and better and better. So I just, in 1997, I officially put the mic down and went full blown production. So I see that you posted something about um, something about like the history of Raucous. What was your involvement with Raucous? How did that happen? Were you involved with any other labels prior to being involved with them? Like, because that was, you know, I was I was like thirteen or so when that stuff started really blowing up. Maybe a little bit older, and that was like that was my my dream, right? Because like my generation before me, if you was a hip hop dude, you wanted to be on Def Jam. But when I was 14 and 15, I was like, nigga, I want to be signed to Raucous, you know, between Feral Munch and, and Most Def and, and, and Reflection Eternal. Well, Reflection Eternal, I don't think it was on Raucous. But Black Star, like, all that shit was, like, the, the soundtrack to my, my years where things really started making sense to me. Like, how did you get involved with all that? Um, I was uh, signed to Soul Spasm at the time. And me and the owner, Jim, uh, Jim Drew, are really good friends. And um, he hits me up one day and he's like, hey, man, um, the homies over at Rockets are looking for an A&R to work on this project that they are trying to put together. And this was when the Rockets 50 was mm -hmm. coming out. Um, and he was like, yo, I think you'd be perfect for it. So I was like, really? All right. So he connected me with Brian and Jarrett. And, um, I put together this proposal, like I made it like a little mini website, like my resume and all the shit, like all the production stuff I did. And like back then, you know, the beat fanatic crew was pretty active. Um, just none of us, we were all in the same space, like just posting on message boards and okay player and trying to get these placements and stuff. And, uh, I sent him my little resume and they were really impressed the next day. They were like, all right, we want to bring you on. So, um, immediately, uh, got started. My first assignment was going through over 5,000 demos. Jesus Christ. <laughs> exactly. It took like three, it literally took me like three months to get through that shit. There's the most agonizing three months. So, so I, I don't know how much has changed with labels now, but even going through the demos sounds like something that didn't, you know, niggas never suspected people went through all that shit. You know what I'm saying? I went through all of it. Which, I which, went through every last one. Which is dope because, like I said, like, you know, people traditionally just feel like, man, I'll, I ain't sending nothing in because ain't nobody going to listen to this. I don't know how much that shit has changed now, but... That's that's pretty fucking noble. I don't even think they have A&Rs anymore, man. No, like, I don't they're think just so. like, oh, you got a million streams on SoundCloud? You're signed. Yeah, yeah. That that whole thing of of 
developing artists, that shit don't exist anymore either. You know what I'm saying? Like, like yeah. the idea of finding somebody has potential, we'll work on them, you know, uh, uh, show them how to do interviews, get their teeth fixed and shit like that. Like, that doesn't exist anymore. So you pretty much got to have the bag before you get it. Matter of fact, there's a dude out of, um, out of Charlotte named Baby, and that motherfucker is, like, out of here right now. And he was this dude. Yeah, I keep hearing about him. Yo, he's he's huge. Like he's fucking huge. He has like maybe by now he's like two million followers, all like through his his own shit. Man, you know you make it when there was an article on him on TMZ. <laughs> there was like some concert. Here's, here's, Security here's, here's my up. thing though. Here's my thing though. How many people in Charlotte or in North Carolina? support this dude like like e40 mm. got the entire bay area on his back he sells half a million copies in his own city when his album drops mm-hmm. like is it that type of following or i don't know he been built up by the media and it's like this uh uh who's your boy uh like macklemore like how everybody's like he's so independent but the label that he's on is owned by warner brothers yeah yeah you that, that, that like, part of it has always been a headache to me, right? Where you have people being real technical about it. Like, they do that with films and shit, and it's like, oh, it's an independent film. Like, motherfucker, y'all had a budget of $100 million. It's not independent. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, yeah, your company's a subsidiary alliance gate. Yeah, exactly. You right? know? <laughs> it's like, I don't know much about the Charlotte scene that heavy, um, but I would say I heard his name pop up for a long time. Either way, you know, he seems to be doing well. Okay. It's like, you know, fuck it. Now, now what's the deal you with make- the... Hmm? He makes entertaining music. The songs I've heard are pretty funny. I mean, they, they jamming joints. And I had to learn to not be the, <laughs> and I guess this is a question for you. I had to learn to not be the the, um, the backpacker nigga, right? Because, like, man, when I was in high school, if it, I would, like, look through CDs. And if DJ Premier didn't have a beat on it, I didn't want to listen to it type of shit. You know what I mean? And over the years, I grew out of it because, you know, you don't want to listen to the roots at the strip club. You know what I'm saying? Like, those you, just, you just made it. You just made the key point I was about to, to make. Exactly. Ooh, excuse me. Um, my thing is, I like strip clubs. Exactly. And yeah. when I go in the strip club, <laughs> I don't want to hear Black Moon and Come. Yo. I want to hear Future and Migos exactly. and the most ratchet shit in the world. So, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, I don't fuck with trap music and da-da-da-da-da. Nah, man, I fuck with trap music heavy. There is a place for everything. And exactly. the strip club is a prime place for uh, for that type of music. Yeah. And another thing that people don't really understand is that the porn industry directs the future of technology as far as audio, video, whatnot, because mm-hmm. like Blu-ray video, or DVDs, mm-hmm. Blu-ray, 4K, all this shit is all standards in the porn industry and then the movie industry picks them up. I mean, it's kind of, it sounds crazy, but it's 100% true, man. Like, Listen, we talking porn, you're speaking my language. I tell you something else the porn industry revolutionized. If you go to a website and see the shopping cart, where you find a shopping cart, <laughs> porn, porn started that. <laughs> because like, cause porn has like the, the endless budget for shit because everybody's jerking and fucking. So yeah. they have the money and the budget to, to invest in all the new technologies first and everybody else kind of wait to see what works and copy them. You know what I mean? Like, like porn even, has been very revolutionary. Out, even the music industry. Look at like if you go to Atlanta and go to like you know K 
KOD or whatever the fancy Onyx or whatever. Mm-hmm. If your song is popping in the strip club, you're next on the radio. Yep. Yep. I'll tell you something else. I have a theory. I have no evidence proving this, but you remember like maybe like <laughs> <laughs> hold on now, this this is the nigga tree. Like Remember, like, maybe 10 years ago, the big thing was getting your, your phone smaller, right? Oh, it's smaller. It's so tiny. And blah, blah, blah. And all that shit was the big fucking craze, right? Now, yeah, I remember my razor. Exactly. Now, they're getting big again. You know why? Because Pornhub, you can watch fucking 4K videos on your fucking phone. I, I, I have no proof of this, but I'm thinking there's a correlation between the time you can start streaming free porn and people wanting bigger phones again. You might be onto something. Absolutely. Shout out to Jada Fire. You know what I'm saying? Like so that <laughs> <laughs> it very well. The same way porn uh kind of directs the movie industry, they could I'm sure they're involved in technology as well, especially anything with a screen. I had it. to give this disclaimer. Side note, I had to give this disclaimer to my homeboy before I started describing this shit. Oh, uh, I, I said to him, we were talking about some porn shit, and I was like, yo, did you see that video that Younger May directed He kind of laughed And was just like Thank you for saying the, the porn video That she directed Because When niggas say Oh the Younger May porn It just sounds weird But have you seen that shit? I have not seen that it's, But It's um, crazy dope It's like I, that, that was That's exactly What I was going to say I can only imagine That it would be Pretty fucking good Because the women That I've seen Her bag Are <laughs> Yo did she, yeah. take, did she take Bow Wow's ex-girlfriend? <laughs> Man, she took a bunch of niggas' ex-girlfriends, dog. I'm not bringing young M.A. around. No chicks mm-hmm. I'm interested in, dog. Mm-hmm. Like, she got a dildo in her back pocket just ready to assault a bitch. <laughs> like, <laughs> I can't fuck with her, dog. She ain't taking none of my hoes, dog. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, man. But, yeah, it's like, yeah, like that, that. It's like, you know, and I'm racist with a lot of my porn. I want to see, like, you know, black women. So, like, she has, like, all the black chicks. And, like, you know, she's directing it from a lesbian perspective. And it's like, okay, this is fucking intense. So, yeah, 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 man. You know, put that, put that I might have to get my Googles on and, and, and check that out at some I, point. I'm trying to tell you. Somehow, way, my podcast always goes back to porn. And, like, you know, I only have, like, two listeners. And it's like, you know. <laughs> it's because niggas is filthy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, horrible, disgusting people. Hell yeah, man. Hell yeah. Pretty much. Men are pretty filthy individuals, man. I mean, not to say women don't watch porn or whatnot, but you we're watch, vulgar with it. You ever watch the Carmichael show? I don't think so. Well, Gerard Carmichael. I don't watch a lot of. I, I might have seen an episode or two, but I can't recall. Well, there was a there was an episode where it's like it was they started talking about porn. It was like, you know, because Gerard Carmichael is from North Carolina, and the, and the show took place in Charlotte, and his family is like this deep Southern Black Baptist family. And in the beginning of the episode, the they came home, and the mom is frustrated because the preacher admitted he had a porn addiction, and like she was mad, like I need to find another church. And Gerard was like, huh? No, I'll let you finish. Go ahead. Well, anyways, Gerard was basically like, how you gonna get mad at this dude for being honest? And like, they were like, everybody watches porn. And his dad was like, I watch porn. And everybody said that. And the dude's girlfriend was like, oh, I watch porn. So there became this whole weird thing with their relationship where he was basically okay. like, damn, she watches porn too? Am I interrupting? What's going on? Oh, no. No, I'm on the phone. They're not in here. 
I'm listening. No, no, no. But it was just the whole episode was just how you know women watch porn too, and and it's some it's some shit that we just don't think about. But you know, they're nicer about their filthiness than we are. They're just more silent, man. Women are Jesus Christ, man. They are way way more vulgar. when it comes to the the silent porn uh thing i mean my whole thing is like like with uh people say like oh they're addicted to porn or you know i have a sex addiction Mm -hmm. like what 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 the fuck is that like everybody likes porn every i don't i've never met anyone who was like oh sex is just terrible i I, I never want to do that again like Deion Sanders <laughs> Deion Sanders did this thing where he made this like he, he made this post talking about his depression and even in his vulnerability his cockiness still came out and he was just like he was just like um you might think that having two women at the same time is great but what if you're having sex but have no emotion you might think that living in a two million dollar House is great, but what if it didn't feel like home? I'm like, nigga, you just bragging the entire time. Like, <laughs> this nigga is ridiculous, dog. That's a bull. That's the biggest crock of shit I ever yeah. heard. <laughs> that's the whole like money can't buy happiness thing. Like, mm. really? Like, I don't have or I don't have a problem in my life right now that money can't solve immediately. Like, there's nothing going on. Like, family matters and whatnot and whatever. Man, I could throw money at anything and fix it. What's your what's your uh, what's your uh, Facebook quote that you or your Twitter quote? Where he's like, uh, "Money and women aren't everything," and it's like from a nigga that has neither. <laughs> like, how does that yeah, work? yeah, yeah, exactly. It's always a motherfucker talking about money can't buy happiness, money can't buy this, money can't buy that. Man, these niggas be filthy rich and just I don't know why they sad and depressed. Man, they need to figure it out. I mean. Maybe they're just shitty people. Could you, you know? Could you imagine this? Like, it's, uh, I, I swear to God, I think this, and I think this is the truth. If Bill Gates woke up tomorrow and had my net worth, he would kill himself. Highly possible. If he if he woke up and his credit score was my credit score and and his account was like twenty eight cents, which literally happened to me this weekend. Like, if that shit happened to him, he would kill himself. Yeah, most rich people do, man. You see these motherfuckers on the stock market, like stock market crashes and they start jumping out of windows. Like, I'm interested in how, like, if there's been any documentation about how something like the Great Depression affected black people differently from white people, right? Because black folks, you know, especially my, my family in the rural South, we were poor than a motherfucker anyway. You know what I mean? Like, yep. it, it's, it, you can't get more poor than that. Like, my Dog, when the stock market crashed... And all this shit, and people are talking about the economy's fucked up, and ah, and jobs, and this and that, and this and that. That shit don't affect me directly, dog. Yeah, exactly. I don't feel any effects of that. Like, I still gotta go to work. I still gotta buy gas and groceries, just like everybody else. Like, nothing changes in my daily life. So, I, I think that's what I think. That's kind of why when we're talking about this whole slew of people running for president and shit, especially like in the Democratic Party, I don't think a lot's going to no. change. Because oh, God, no. as, as terrible as Trump is, I think a lot of people are going to kind of come to the conclusion, well, shit, you know, as shitty as he is as a person and a president, there hasn't been a lot that's been affecting me directly um, as an individual basis. Now, if a nigga trying to get an abortion in Georgia, maybe. So pull out a lot quicker next time, guys. But like, other than that, like a lot of people, I think they have that type of rationale where it's just like, 
when you're so separated from everything, what the fuck is going to bother you? You know, um, I mean, the fucked up part is that even with these what 23, 24 Democrats all running for president or whatever, mm. none of them have the ability or the following to beat Trump. It's fucking insane. I'm no Trump Agreed. supporter. Mm-hmm. Like I hope this nigga falls off a cliff today. Mm-hmm. But this this nigga's gonna win the 2020 presidential election, I, I and no so one too. can stop him. I think so I mean, too. I think so too. I, I think and, and oh. the same way like black people came out of everywhere to vote for Obama and whatnot. Mm-hmm. All these rednecks and hillbillies are coming out of the fucking swamps to vote for Trump. Yeah, and there's. And there's just there's more of them than there are of us. So I don't know what we're going to do. My plan initially when Trump got elected is because I was born in London on, a, <laughs> on an Air Force base. Uh-huh. I have dual citizenship. I was just going to go to Europe. But then the U.K. has Brexit going on. Jesus, man. Yeah. So I was just like, if I go to the U.K., I can't leave England. So yeah. it's like. It's crazy, man. Like you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. Like, there's no a, escaping this shit. Better become a goddamn Toronto Raptors fan or something. <laughs> oh no, nah, man! Fuck Canada, man. They're the biggest pussies in the world. Oh, I'm there ain't no way I'm going up there. <laughs> you know, not against to my niggas from Canada. You know, shout out Chocolate, Socrates, and all them. But nah, man, I can't do it. So here's a question. Like you know, and I think this is speaking of like your connections as uh, somebody involved with music. Um, first time I heard Little Brother was was it on a web page of yours? It was like five of the joints on there. How did, what happened? How did you come across them? What, what was the story behind that? Um, I was just on OK Player one day, just shoot fucking around, and I get a I don't know if it was a DM or an email from my man Bill Brainchild, mm-hmm. and he is like, "Yo, have you heard this Little Brother shit yet?" And I'm like. Little brother, like, what the fuck is a little brother? Yeah. Like, nah. Dude sends me a leak, and I listen to this shit and immediately lose my shit. Just I'm lost it. Couldn't believe that. I was like, yo, what is this, like, the new Native Tongues? Or, like, is this, like, some yeah. Tribe Called Quest spinoff? Or, like, what the hell is this? And he's like, nah, man, it's just these dudes from North Carolina. Um, so I went to the message board, found all of them. DM'd all of them and was just like, yo, like this shit is dope. You know, who are you guys signed? Like just trying to get basic information. Like where can I get this music? And um, Tay was telling me, he's like, nah, man, these are just demos. We just recording this shit right now. So I was like, yo, if y'all need anything, literally anything, let me know. Um, Because back then, you know, we were kind of, popular on the boards people knew we did websites and mm-hmm. shit like that so um they were like the knife was like yo man we need a website and shit you know like how much is that gonna cost and i was like dog i'm doing this shit for free like straight <laughs> up like so and like two days later i came up with a little design concept and um was working on the site and then at the same time they were like okay well we need artwork for our album and i was like well damn i can't do that the album artwork and work on the website at the same time. So that's when I hit up Frank FWMJ. And I was like, yo man, check this shit out. This is little brother. I was like, I'm working on their web stuff. They need a uh, album cover. So can you do it? And he was like, hell yeah, I'll do it. You know? So that got the ball rolling. 
Um, then our homie ID, uh, Ian Davis, uh, he is, he's kind of a background guy, but he used to work with high road back in the day. Um, AB, he's, you know, used to work with ABB and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And we got him the music and he was flipping out. Um, and then he brought their stuff to Benny B and that's how they got signed to ABB basically. Is, uh, ABB still out here live and kicking? Um, uh, a little bit, yeah. They still do. They're mostly. They got like ABV Soul and stuff like that. Um, their kind of staple is that they put out like all the old Defar Rise stuff and like. Yeah. Um, they put out like the first. Uh, I saw a Casual album or something like that from. Um, nah, um, Evidence and Rock Irish Science. Ah, I got um, you. They put out their early stuff and whatnot. Um, so. Uh, yeah, but I'm not sure what he's got. I'm not sure what Benny B's got going on. Um, I just know that a lot of people hate him. <laughs> <laughs> Are you one of them? But, uh, no, no. And it's just it's just like Rockus. A lot of people have nightmare stories about Rockus. My experience with Rockus was pretty good, um, as well as ABB, because I took care of my business first. I made sure that I was getting paid before I started doing any work, yeah. you know, and I also know how to read. <laughs> so I, so I read shit before I sign it. And if I don't know what a word is, I'll look it up. And yeah. if it's too complex for me to understand, um, I'll call my cousin who is an attorney and have him read it for me. Yeah. But I think that's, you have to read my, my friend and I was having a conversation about, you know, Scarface and I, I'm like the biggest Scarface fan ever. And he was talking to him like, yeah, like he was in, he was somewhere and, and Scarface came to his barbershop a few times and they hung out and they talked. And he was just like, you know, Face was kind of telling him like, you know, I didn't make the type of money that niggas think I made. He's like, my respect in the streets is amazing. But, you know, you got niggas that's hungry trying to get out of the hood. They signing whatever the fuck you put in front of them. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Like, like you listen to the, uh, you know, the shit that they lies dealing with Tommy Boy. You know what I mean? Like, like I, I, I well, don't know what that is. What happened? That's that? a different situation. Um, it really comes down to Tom Silverman being a fucking piece of shit. Um, <laughs> because there were no sampling laws back then when Prince Paul was doing all this shit. Like, uh, no one really knew what you could do, what you couldn't do, because sampling wasn't that big in the forefront. Mm-hmm. Um, but De La Soul is basically like the guinea pig and the sacrificial lamb when it comes to uh, intellectual property, uh, copyright infringement, and things of that nature. Um, because, and it's only because um, a lot of those songs, they were just using straight five, ten-second loops mm-hmm. of the song. It wasn't like they were chopping it and rearranging it. Mm-hmm. Um but the real shitty part is, is that even now that De La Soul has paid over $1.7 million for copyright infringement and damages for all of the stuff that they've done, Tommy Boy is still holding their catalog hostage. They're like, yeah, okay, well, I mean, that's why you can't get it streaming anywhere because they're like, okay, we'll give you 10%. And De La Soul's like, nah, fuck that. Like, wow. what the fuck do you think this is? So it's a constant back and forth between them and the label. Um, but yeah, and again, that comes down to the label, Tom Silverman, who runs, uh, 
Tommy Boy being a culture vulture piece of shit. Like, why doesn't he give them their fair cut? Even 60-40, fuck it. 10%? You're going to give him 10%? And you already know streams don't make shit. Unless you're Drake or Taylor Swift, you are not eating off streams. I don't give a fuck if you got a million streams. Wow, that means you just got like eight grand. (laughs) In my life, eight grand lasts me about three months. Man. That's fucking crazy, real, man. Real grown-up adult bills, man. Eight grand ain't shit. <laughs> wow. So I'm, I'm guessing, and I, and I was, and I was asking about the little brother thing because I heard that you know, the the news came out that they're they're back together. I don't think, I don't think ninth yeah. is going to be with them though, right? Is that what's what's going on? It's just the two. That was that's what was put out. Um, I haven't talked to ninth in a while. Um, I talked to Tay a couple months ago, but. We didn't talk about that. Like, actually, I talked to Poole uh, when I was in North Carolina last week, but he didn't mention a word about it. Like, it was kind of just a secret thing. I guess they just haven't been really telling anybody. Um, And then Tay just dropped the news. I immediately hit. I was like, nigga, are y'all done? Can I submit some beats? Like, (laughs) Jesus Christ. (laughs) I wish I'd have known this a month ago. So... But yeah, I'm happy, man. Um, Are they putting out themselves? Do you know anything about that? Or is it just like, I don't know. Is the record label thing just not exist, non-existent anymore? Um, record labels are good if you are at a point where you can't manage your day-to-day by yourself. Mm. Um, you got a lot going on. Like if you're trying to create, you got shows and tours and trying to do stuff for tv and just being creative you kind of need a team in a sense to help with stuff i mean who's going to do all the paperwork for the syncing and mechanical licensing stuff if it gets placed on tv you know say who's gonna put the tour together and uh do all the road management who's doing partnership management and getting sponsorships for this tour for different things there's so many different moving parts that if I, I would think they're probably going to be on a label, but at the same time, it could just be like a fat beats thing where they just get distribution and do it all themselves. Mm. Cause, um, back in the day, big doe, uh, that nigga was an animal, man. That nigga, I thought that nigga was Jamaican. He had 16 <laughs> jobs and shit. You know? I was like, God damn, nigga, you doing everything. And, and I think was it Pooh and doe now managing, uh, 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 what you would call it? Loop from dream Dreamville? Are they both managing uh-huh. him? Okay. That's dope. Yeah, I was, I was happy to see that because I saw, like, Big Cool on uh, the Breakfast Club talking about that, and I thought that was pretty fresh. Yeah, no, I know they're fucking with Dreamville. I don't know exactly what they're doing or who they're managing, but um, they definitely have the skills um, and the experience to work at that level in the industry. So I know that this Little Brother record's going to get, at least the business aspect of it is going to be right. I just hope the music is as great as I'm expecting it to be. I mean, yeah. I, I, I think... Why do it if you're not going to make the type of music you're going to make, right? Like that's why, like everybody's like, "Oh, Outkast need to come back together." Man, look, if they want to come back together, they'll come back together. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want it to be like, you know, they get forced to do it and then they don't sound good. Here's the thing, too. I don't want to hear old little brother. Yeah. Right? I don't want to hear yo yo and and speed and whatever you say. I want some new little brother shit. Yeah. So. 
I, I hope they're doing something. I mean, I know it's still going to be boom bap hip hop, you know, traditional hip hop, but I really hope that they push the envelope and do try different stuff and maybe use different production and stuff and, and just try to come create a new sound like they did when they first came out. Who would you like to hear them over? Me? Uh, <laughs> nah, but uh, seriously, um, I'd like to hear them on some not shit. Mm. Um, I'd like to hear them uh, on some DiBiase stuff, tall black guy, mm-hmm. um, eloquent, 14KT. Have you, listen, um, have you listened to the new 14KT album yet? Oh, yeah. That shit is jamming. Yeah. Man, that, that nigga don't play fair, dog. I've known <laughs> KT for a long time. I, we actually got a, a collabo joint that I'm doing. I don't, I don't know if you know about Beat Fanatic Volume 1. Mm-hmm. that I put out on April 20th in like 2011. But the whole concept of it is every track is co-produced by another producer. Like we work together on it. Right. Um, I got him on um, beat fanatic volume two. I got a joint with him. Um, I got a joint with DiBiase. I got a joint with uh crisis. I got a joint with, uh, ill mind. Um, got a joint with, uh, who else on? Jay Biz is on there. Uh, Jai Sue, the homie from the UK, is yeah, on there. Yeah. Um, uh, my man Appetite, another UK cat that is killing shit, is on there. Um, what the fuck was the point? Oh yeah, the joint I got with 14KT is bananas, man. Like I sent, I chopped up the sample and like did like some kettle drums and like kind of a skeleton type thing and sent it to him. Man, this nigga sent me back a full blown goddamn production and shit. It's, it's wow, a bridge with the keys, and he just really took the shit and ripped it apart, man. When it's, when it's, when can we expect to hear this shit? Um, this year at some point, I just got to stop being lazy and mix it. Yeah, stop being all yes, the songs. Nigger, and, get off the phone and, and mix this shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I just I just got to get it mixed and um. Yeah, it's going to be pretty crazy, man. Um, Are you putting it out yourself? Is it going to be through um, Rappers I Know? What do, you, what do you have planned for it? Everything I put out is on Rappers I Know or Soul Spasm. Um, I do have my own label, um, but I don't, I've been lazy about that, too. Um, I like working with Rappers I Know um, because I'm, me and Frank got a good relationship, and he's a no-bullshit kind of dude like mm-hmm. there's no filter there's no wondering what's going to be what i know exactly what it is when i'm fucking with him yeah. and when shit sells and it's time for people to get paid he cuts the check every time on time same thing with soul spasm i get a i get an updated statement from them every month so i know exactly what my music's doing on the label all right where's um, soul, soul spasm based out of uh, they are, they originally started in Philly, but they're based out of New York now. Okay. All right. So it, you're, you're in one of those like sweet spots right now where you're involved in a lot of stuff musically, but, but you're not doing just one thing, right? Because if you wanted to just be a producer, you could be a producer. If you wanted to put records out, you could put records out. If you wanted to, hell, be a manager, you can be a manager. If you wanted to, to run a label on a label, where, where do you... What motivates you the most out of all those things as far as like being involved as an artist? Just uh, being able to work on projects and stuff that I'm actually interested in. Um, there's a company called Battle Lab 
out of the Bay Area. And they're huge in the turntable community. They work with Bud Rumble and Hubert and all those dudes, Beat Junkies, everybody. Um, I've known the owner, Antrix, for quite some time back when they used to do Beat Swap Meet um, out in L.A., like when it first started. And um, we've always had this relationship, and we could never figure out how to work together. Um, but then he calls me one day, and he's like, hey, man, I'm thinking about putting out some 45s, like picture disc 45s, um, because they wanted to get more into the production and record aspect of it. So we start working together. Um, they put out my donut 45 mm. and then they bring me on, um, to help with their kind of, kind of be a liaison for artists between the label and the artists. Um, and then kind of, I guess I did such a good job that they actually gave me a job. So I'm the partnership manager for, battle avenue and um so then we did beat society um at nam mm -hmm. so then it, so then i'm getting artists and i'm working with companies serato and rain and native instruments and all these other companies to try to get sponsorship to bring all of this shit together we get the sponsorship we do beat society and then then we get another uh sponsorship from serato sample we do beat society in new york um and they've just really, they put me in a position to kind of do what I do. Well, what, what I like doing is like just bringing people together. Um, so it's been working out great. And then they are in, in charge of doing the, all the campaign stuff for the new phase uh, that's out. And they brought me on into that. So then like I, the, their booth at NAM, I had, uh, I had uh, Ant-Man Wonder. Mm. House shoes, house, uh, aspect one, um, and Willie B all come through and work the booths at NAM, which is crazy because like these are all just the homies. So it's like I get a, a opportunity to work with my friends to give my friends opportunities and actually get a little bit of change out of it. Like it's it's kind of. It's. I feel like it's in my best interest to to work at to to work at a company like that. So that's kind of how I judge what I do. Can I can I help people? Um, and at the same time, can I help myself a little bit? And at the same time, can I expose people to the culture and all this dope music that people might not have heard of? Man, you're noble fucking guy. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Most people try to get the juice. Well, most people try to get the juice and run with it and, and, and do for themselves. And you got to push your ego to the side, man. If, if, if someone's beats are better than mine, I'm going to acknowledge that. I'm not going to hate on that. Yeah. You know, that, that's just the way I am. Like when I got ill mind, his first placement with, uh, acrobatic, the first song he ever like sold Acrobatic real artist. Is he is and, he is he good? Is he okay? Because don't he having like health yeah. problems? Okay. Yeah, he had a torn aorta and shit, but he had surgery. He's doing great now, man. He's he's all good. Right. But yeah, like even I was in Boston working with him on his album, and I'm like, yo, man, my homeboy Ill Mind got these beats, dog. They are fucking insane. Like 
crazy. He's like, word, let me hear him. So I played him for him. Next thing you know, Illmind's on the album. Right. It's, it's just, I'm just, I don't know, man. I like good music, and if your beats are better than mine, I want someone to hear them. Yeah, yeah, Illmind's out of here, too. Yeah. He, uh, he's on another level now, man. He don't even do, like, boom bap style hip-hop no more, man. Dude's doing, like... Okay, you know the the Moana soundtrack, the yes. song with the rock on it that's yeah. like all happy go, happy go glee and shit. Like he <laughs> produced that shit. Like, <laughs> you know, you know what I thought that was dope, right? And I think I think Ilman's name was in here. That major artists, well, Fifty and the G Unit shit. He mm-hmm. came he came to this conclusion at one point in time where he was basically like, "All right, look, you know." I'm already a big name. I don't have to go after big name producers. So what I'm going to fucking do is just me and my niggas are going to rap over shit that we like. So he said that his manager would get a bunch of beat CDs and number them. And he don't know who he's listening to. He don't know uh-huh. He don't know who the producer is or whatever. But they'll call the manager and be like, yo, I like CD 15, song 6. And then they'll reach out to that artist. And then you saw... And it was kind of funny because 50 was getting kind of like that that beef for being somebody that kind of ruined like certain parts of hip hop, but because you know that 50 wave was huge. But he showed yeah. love to a lot of niggas that that were independent producers that I was hearing on, you know, a bunch of like hip hop shit. Like, you know, Jake Ones of the world, the ill minds of the world or whatever. Do you Man, see love- What's up? Go ahead. No, I was gonna, I was say, gonna say, do you see fifty guys? Fifty got a dope. Nah, major artists aren't gonna do that. They should though. They really should. Fifty has a good ear for beats. I'm not a. I I think he's a very mediocre rapper. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that his subject matter is more entertaining than dope. But he's like Rick Ross. His yeah. beat selection exactly is pretty say. fucking fire. Like. Remember when that um, that rumor was going around that uh, Rick Ross was going to executive produce a Nas album? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> bruh. I, bruh, like that shit got me excited as fuck. I was like, oh my God, like this is going to be the dopest Nas album since Illmatic. Yeah. And then what do we get? We get fucking oh, red MAGA hat. Don't fucking get me jackass started. of the year. Don't get me started. That shit was Man. whack. God. That album was terrible, dog. And then the fucked up part is the dopest song that was on there when they did the preview mm-hmm. on on the internet mm-hmm. and everybody. I was like, oh shit, Nas might have a slapper. It comes out that Kanye stole the beat from somebody yo, else. Yo, well, I saw <laughs> that. I saw that. And the artwork stole the artwork and the beat Big. from a different artist. Whatever happened with that? Nothing, because Kanye's rich and probably gave him a bunch of money to shut up about it. Jesus, man. Yeah. They straight robbed that dude, though. Yeah. Well. I mean, and here's the thing, man. I've, I mean, like, Kanye's cool. Everybody's like, oh, college dropout and all this shit. I ain't never been the biggest Kanye fan. I just haven't. Um, But once, oh, I will say this. Barry Bonds, Mm -hmm. um, the song with him and Lil Wayne, mm-hmm. produced by Knotts, is absolutely fucking amazing. Wait a minute, like, Knotts, Knotts did that? Yeah, Knotts produced Barry Bonds. That makes so much sense now. Because, you know, yeah, you know, that's why. God. That's why that song's so fire, dog. <laughs> but now I got to play the instrumental or I got to cut Kanye's verse off. 
Absolutely. You know, which which makes so much sense because I was having a conversation with somebody the other day. I was like, yo, man, I think Kanye have like the softest drums. But when you listen to <laughs> you listen to Barry Bonds, them shits don't sound like yay drums. No. Okay. Yep, that's that's the God knots. And I never and I never looked at the credits because you always, you know, niggas like me assume, oh, he produced all these joints. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Fuck. Yeah, not that one. Well, what are you listening to now? Like what's your what's what's some rotation for you now? Um, right now I'm listening to uh to a bunch of stuff, but I would say I listen to a lot of the homie, a uh, tall black guy. Um, that nigga's amazing. Yeah, man. Um, Thank you for coming to the show, man. We we had a fucking blast. Yeah, man. That, that's my dude, man. Like, that's my dude, my my super homie. Um, we, we've uh, I booked him for Beat Society in New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, we stayed together in London to do the Battle Laugh Festival. Um, I met him. The first time I met him was years ago in Phoenix, and we just kind of kept in touch ever since. So anytime we're in the city together, we always hang out. Um, but yeah, I'm listening like his shit. I'm listening to Rock Marciano. Wow. Um, that in case you forgot joint he did with Alchemist, man, that shit is just like on heavy rotation, man. Like that's one of my favorite joints. Where, where does Alchemist fall in... in- favorite producers like is he is he correct the top 10 he's he's in my top 10 mm, yeah he uh because he does some stuff and it's like oh yeah that's whatever you know like eh. but he, that dude i i couldn't imagine going to his studio and then him just going through beats i'm sure like <laughs> yeah. it, it, it would It'd be a life-changing experience, yeah. man. Like, the, the greatest that, shit, the greatest, like, murder of all time, there was a beat battle. I don't know if it was Red Bull or not, but it was supposed to be Just Blaze versus Alchemist. And God damn it, Just Blaze, the thing of this, this is exactly what he did. During a beat battle, he didn't play new beats. You know what he did? He played nothing but all the Jay-Z songs he produced. Yeah. And then Alchemist pulled out the beat that ended up being surgical gloves. <laughs> it was the the craziest slaughtering I've ever seen. And like just just as my I fucking love just plays. But I'm like, how you gonna play H to the Izzo at a fucking beat battle? Like I mean, look at the thing with him versus Swiss Beats. That was the same thing. He's just playing like all his hits and whatnot. That's so and crazy. I know Nigga, I know for a fact that nigga got crazy got beats to. that no one has ever got heard to. before, you know? So, I, yeah, I don't even get that. It's just like how Swiss Beats pulled out the bath salt song on him. Yo, and what just destroyed the. What happened with that shit? Um, he said that he didn't put it on his album because he didn't want it to overshine everything on the album, what? which makes perfect sense. Because that song is fucking insane. But that's why you put it out as a single or something. Like, what the fuck, man? Uh, Yeah. So I also, uh, another artist that I personally like a lot, um, it's kind of two artists, but Blue Mondays, uh, Quelle Chris and Denmark Vesey. Mm -hmm. Quelle is one of my 
favorite artists, period. Like rappers, producers, dudes mad, original, just he's himself. He's a fucking weirdo, and I love it, you know? Um, Denmark's the same way. And then another dude that rolls with them is uh, Cavalier is another cat that I'm really, really feeling. Dude is nasty with the bars. Um, And why you... And why you from uh, Diamond District? Oh man, fuck. he's another one. Yo man, that first Diamond District album, I about got pulled over by the cops. Was driving. Imagine driving to Atlanta, three hours away, and that first Diamond District shit. Come on, man, dog, that shit was incredible. Is Odyssey still producing for him? Um, who? Not why you makes his own beats. Oh, and they're fucking insane, man. Oh. They are really like really, really really good like All right, I'm he does it. some real off the wall very creative shit if you go on his Instagram on and watch some of his videos some of them are just beats some of them are like him doing just verses over shit um, but that dude is extremely talented and another dude that slept on from the DMV my nigga Hassan Mackey yo mm. oh my god this nigga will rip your face off with the bars and he makes beats too wow and I think that he's like the protege or like he's under the tutelage of Kev Brown. Wow. And his shit, so his shit is super duper duper smacking. And then Kev Brown's another cat that I... Is he done? I bump. Do you think he's done? Because he's... he's he... Nah, man, here's the thing, man. Okay, so last summer, um, I was in Europe for like almost three months. Just running around touring, hanging out with family and shit. And um, I saw... Ev was coming to town, so I hit him up. I'm like, yo, you coming to London? Let's link up. He lands, calls me. I come out to a show. He's like, yeah, I'm going to be here for like a week, just kicking it. So we should hang out. So I'm like, all right, cool. So me and this nigga hung out every day for like a week in London. And we ended up going, have you ever heard of Sunny Jim? Mm-hmm. We end up going to Sunny Jim's and... uh him and Kev decided they're just going to do a project real quick. Um, so we're sitting there doing like recording joints, uh, he's picking joints. And then Kev's like, yo, you play some shit. And I'm like, okay. Like I'm literally just observing. So I start playing joints. Sonny starts liking them. So we end up doing a whole project, 10 joints. Kev did like eight joints and I did like two with Sonny Jim over there. Mm-hmm. Um, but the mean, in the meantime, while we're there, Kev is, uh, he's basically letting me know how the shit's going. Because I'm like, damn, how you're on tour, yada, 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 shit must be dope. Man, this cat starts giving me the numbers and shit, and I'm just like, really? And he's like, yeah, man, I'm kind of sick of this shit. Then he comes back to the States, and shit is just the business, the music business is, it's wag. Like it's, it's stressful and it's draining. So I kind of saw this coming because when we were in London, he was kind of like, man, fuck this shit. Like if something don't happen soon, I'm going to be done with all of this. Um, so he hasn't gone away. He's still going to be a producer. He's still going to be out there. You're still going to hear Kev Brown joints, but like the artist Kev Brown, yeah, he's retired that like he took all his albums down. Wow. Um, like, yeah, he used to have like 12, 13 albums up on his band camp. There's like three now. So he 
He's sick of the labels. He's sick of the bullshit. He's sick of kind of getting put on the back burner over and over and over. And dude has a pretty big chapter in the book of hip hop as far as I'm concerned. Um, so I understand his frustration and why he's backing off. So yeah, you won't see like Kev Brown coming out doing a bunch of projects, but he's still going to be actively working. You know what? Um, you know what? Let's, 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 you know how they, how Oprah be like state stuff into the universe. Um, the music series thing I do here called the Lost Sessions that I brought to our black guy here too. Help me bring Kev yeah. Brown here. It's, I could do that. Yeah, yeah. Like, help me bring Kev Brown here, and it could be on some tall black guy shit. He ain't got to perform or nothing. He could just play some shit, play some joints. You know what I'm saying? And and you know, be in a place where where motherfuckers really love and respect what you're doing. I would love to bring Kev Brown here. That shit would be. Kev crazy. Brown has a very, very, very fair fee. It ain't crazy or nothing. Like it ain't even out of out of outer space or no dumb shit. Um, Where's he staying now? Understand. Where's he staying now? Where's he staying now? Um, he's in Maryland. Okay, he's, I think oh, he's in Landover. Oh, that's it's easy. You know, you know what it is. You know what it is with with, with Kev and and why like he was about to say how you don't know how people don't fuck with him like they need to. I was having this conversation about, you know, I'm a big crit fan, and I was telling my friend, I was like, yo, I don't understand why big crit isn't as big or bigger than J Cole. Right, because I think musically, Big Crit is a doper producer, a doper rapper, music or whatever, whatever. And and I was like, you know, the thing about Big Crit was he's a normal fucking guy, right? Like he see everything about Crit is a normal dude, and, I, and that's not a diss. It's like he seems, yeah. he seemed like a dude that you would want to hang out and fuck with. Like he seemed, he you know, and I'm a Southern dude too, so like there's a lot of those dope Southern sensibilities. He ain't gonna do no bullshit. He ain't gonna do nothing corny. He ain't gonna do nothing crazy. And somehow, some way, I just feel like people, um, they don't want normalcy anymore. You know what I'm saying? Like they, they yeah. Kev's the same way. Kev's cool as fuck. Very humble, very laid back, but he's also very outspoken and not with the bullshit. Exactly. You know, I, I kind of think that I kind of fall into this same category. I could probably be light years ahead in my musical career if I want to, but I refuse to kiss anybody as when I speak my mind. And I, I, I've shot myself in the foot a few times, but you know what? Fuck it. I, I really don't care. Absolutely. Uh, I'm me. I'm me. And I'm not going to sit here and smile when I'm, when I want to laugh. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, all right. Two more questions. Uh, one, have you ever met Dilla? Did you ever meet Dilla? And is there a story to that? Yes. What you got? Um, this is kind of crazy story. Um, <laughs> so, um, Back in the MySpace days, I get uh, a message. And he's like, yo, I'm really feed, blah, 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 yada, yada. So I respond back. I'm like, yo, thank you. You know, I got more stuff coming out. And every couple months, I get a message from this dude like, yo, I heard your new shit, whatever. I'm like, damn, man, this dude's like a fan. Like, I don't have any fans. Like, this is the only dude hitting me up telling me that he likes my music and shit. So I'm like, yeah, I'm sending him stuff before it comes out sending him beats and shit, just like, you know, just just because he's a fan, like, here, here, here's more stuff. And then one day I get an email, and I'm reading through it. It's got all this shit in it. It's like uh, Julio G on the radio and visionaries and all this shit. I'm like, man, I didn't sign up for this newsletter. Who the fuck is this? I look at the bottom of the email, and it says DJ Repmatic 
world famous beat junkies, visionaries. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh my God. I've been talking to DJ Ratmatic, the godfather of turntablism, for months now and had no fucking idea who I was talking to. <laughs> so I hit dude up. I'm like, yo, send me your number, man. I need to talk to you. So he sends me his phone number. I'm like, look, man, no disrespect, like not even trying to be funny. But I had no idea that I've been talking to Rhett Maddock from world famous beat junkies for months, like sending you my beats and shit and like going back and forth. And he's like, oh, man, yeah, you know, it's cool, whatever, whatever. And, you know, we're on the phone like an hour, hour and a half and shit. And then he's like, yo, man, you ever been to Cali? And I was like, nope. He goes, you should come, man. You should come out here. Like, you can crash at my crib. Da, 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 da. I'm like, are you fucking serious? He's like, yeah, man. He's like, it's cool. The next week, I bought a ticket to go to L.A. for a week. I get to L.A. And uh, this motherfucker takes me to root down at Little Temple. Um, I mean, Egon, Peanut Butter Wolf all this shit then we go to uh, a doom show is the day before I leave mm. so we go to the doom show we're backstage just chilling mad libs there whatever like you know I'm meeting everybody <laughs> and then Brett comes up to me and he's like yo man Dilla's here I'm like what he's like yeah man he's like you want to meet Dilla I'm like nigga there's <laughs> <laughs> a bear shit in the woods let's go <laughs> So we walk up and uh, he's like, yo, what's up, Dilla? You know, they dap each other up and shit. And he's like, yo, Dilla, this is my man, Slop Funk Dust, Slop Dilla. And I'm just like stunned. And I'm just like, yo, I'm just like, yo, it's it's an honor to meet you, man. And he's thinking, he's like, nah, man, it's cool, man. Like, and, the, you know, we dap up. And I swear to God, man, I almost shit my pants. He goes, Slop Funk Dust. He's like, yeah, man, I heard your shit before. Your shit's pretty dope. <laughs> I'm just looking at him and then I'm looking at Rhett and Rhett shaking his head like, yeah. And I'm just looking at Dilla and he's just like, snap out of it, dude. Like, <laughs> <laughs> So that was that. So then, you know, I, I had to go to the bathroom real quick and just kind of like Change gather my thoughts and calm <laughs> the fuck down and shit. And um, that I still got pictures from that night that no one has ever seen of Dilla. Wow. Um, us hanging out, just kicking it, drinking Heineken's like, it's, it's the, one of the, the most memorable nights of my entire life. And I literally owe all that shit to DJ Repmatic, man. Like, he didn't have to invite me out to his crib for a week. You know, he didn't even know me. I was just some dude on the internet, you know? And that, that kind of, that's kind of why I am the way I am um, yeah. about trying to help other people and introduce people and just kind of connect people. Um, because that happened to me, you know, he didn't have to do that. Um, and I feel that's important. I feel like that's what's missing from the culture right now. Everybody's on these crabs in a barrel shit, trying to climb on everybody's back to get out. And the shit is not, it just, it doesn't help anybody. You know, one motherfucker gets out and that's it. Yeah, man. It's, it's, it's crazy because you build that sense of community. That shit lasts forever. Like some of the friends, some of my longest and dearest of friends have been motherfuckers from OK Player. You know what I'm yep. saying? Like, you've known them for years because it's like, you know, the music brought us together and it was that sense of community. You know what I mean? Um, Think about every beat you've ever heard with the beef fanatic drop in it. You mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? Like, that's community. Like, 
Absolutely. We weren't getting we weren't getting paid for that. We were kind of making our own stamp. Like, yo, we're a community of producers that roll together. We have a similar ideology, and we're all trying to head in the same direction. Man, that shit is crazy. All right, last and final question: If you can divulge the information, for the most part, you know, you meet a bunch of people, and they're really dope. They're really cool. What artists did you meet? You know how the saying goes: "Don't meet your heroes." Who's the asshole that you can talk about? Um, off the top of my mind, it's Talib Kweli. <laughs> <laughs> okay, <laughs> I'm sorry. And it's it's crazy. It's not because he was an asshole to me personally. When we met, he was actually pretty nice to me. Um, my uh opinion on this is based on what I've seen him do mm. um, to other people. So there was a show here in Tampa at this place called Masquerades a long time ago, maybe like 2000, I don't know, six, maybe long time ago. Um, it's a Talib Kweli show and acrobatic is here in town. Cause we're working on shit. So I'm like, yo, Talib's in town. Let's, uh, let's go to the show. And he's like, hell yeah, Talib's on my album. Like, we're good, we're good. And Talib are talking, having a conversation. Now, there's a dude on the complete opposite side of the room. Um, and he's on his phone. He's not even looking at us. He's not bothering us at all. Talib sees this dude. He's like, hold on a second. Storms over there and shit. What the fuck are you doing back here, man? Get the fuck out of here. This is artist on me. And I was just like, yo, like, Dude wasn't even bothering us. Like, why Why are you going over there and, like, like, acting like dude tried to grab your microphone on stage or some shit? You know, that's incident one. Then there were some girls backstage, and he made some sideways comments about bitches and hoes. Where I was just like, God damn, dog. Like, that's, that's pretty brutal. Um, then I have a good friend named Dennis. Uh, you might know Dennis, Punch Double. Yeah, yeah. Um, he was with Rez out in Amsterdam. Yeah, that's my girl, yeah. Yeah, and he ends up having this real nasty incident with Talib Kweli, and I'm just like, yo, like, he tried to treat you the way I seen him try to treat this dude who wasn't even bothering anybody. Like, And it, there's just more... I got other stories that I'm not gonna air out, because I'm just not gonna p- put people's business out there like that, but He's not the nicest individual uh, out there. Well, from personal experience, and I, I know a bunch of people. I always hear horror stories about this nigga. So whenever somebody's like, "Oh shit, Tyler Kweli," I'm just like, "Oh, here we go again." Young, problematic. I mean, shit. If you want to engage with him, just just add him on Instagram. He'll argue with you for three days. <laughs> You know, like that's the type of duty is. It's fucking ridiculous, man. Like, <laughs> yeah, man. yeah, he he yeah he go at motherfuckers on Twitter pretty heavy, man. Like real, real, real heavy. Wow. Well, shit. I guess uh, I should have reversed those questions because I I'd rather end it on the Dilla story than this one. <laughs> but fuck it. Oh yeah. I mean, he's cool. Nothing against the brother. You know, yeah. if he if he cut the check, I'd do a beat for him. But yeah. I'm not in no hurry to go hang out with him yeah 
Well, fair enough. Yeah. Like, there's a I've I've been through a lot of that shit where it's just like you know you can kind of sense that there's gonna be some energy, and so now my rule with a lot of these artists is like, man. If if I don't have money to pay and get you booked, I want to just book you for the show, not try to hang out and shit, because I don't want to go through that shit where you you just don't fuck with somebody, you know what I mean, anymore. So, you know, you got to kind of separate the artist from the... What's up? Well, but once it happens, you can't separate them because you just yeah. keep seeing that, man. Like, like, rest in peace, Guru. I was at an incident where I saw him be really fucking rude and nasty to our waitress in the green room for no reason. Like, wow. Kind of turned me off of that whole shit. I'm just like, damn, I wish I was, I just wish I wasn't here today. Because now every time a Gangstar song comes on, I love the music, but I'm like, damn, this nigga's an asshole. Wow. <laughs> Dog, you need a fucking podcast or a documentary, and I'm down to help you with either one. <laughs> like, straight up. We we could talk off air about that shit, but you you and you're a funny nigga. You need to write something. So yeah, yo, that's the thing too, man. I've been people. I don't know. People are like, oh my god, you're so funny on Facebook. Da 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 da. And I'm trying to figure out a way to take my Facebook posts and make them into like a ten or fifteen minute um, stand up routine. So I've been thinking about going up to the improv and doing their stand up comedy class mm. and seeing if I could like figure out how to maybe put a little thing together. I don't I don't know. Like that might be a thing. And then also, um, uh, I'm not sure if you know about Dylan and Peyton Locke and all them the full plate stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been talking with them about doing a beat CD that comes with a coffee table book and the coffee table book's just going to be a bunch of my Facebook posts. <laughs> before, all right, before we leave, give me, give, give, uh, our, our two listeners, one of your favorite, uh, Facebook posts that sticks in your mind. Um, I can't think of a favorite, but like one I just made is like your girlfriend already knows who she's going to cheat on you with. <laughs> and the answer is me, niggas. Um, <laughs> it might be, might not, but she, she definitely knows. <laughs> Don't fuck up, nigga. Is she waiting for that right time. That right She time. got some shit right on deck, man. Oh. Um, that and I found a picture of a Ku Klux Klan rally thing. Mm. And this nigga had on some retro Jordan 11s, dog. <laughs> and I was just like, yo, Jordan didn't score 86 points on Larry Bird in 1986 <laughs> with his fucking clan leader to be wearing retro Jordans, dog. Oh, like, shit. what the fuck? <laughs> that nigga's confused, man. Like, <laughs> Brother, Trump supporters and racists are the dumbest motherfuckers in the world. Man. Absolutely. Like, bad. just... There's no sense whatsoever. You really vote for some shit that's going to destroy you. Yep. And we're about to get four more years of it. And on that depressing mm. note, ladies mm-hmm. and gentlemen, this is the Negro League Podcast. I go by the name of Preach Jacobs. Uh, thank you guys for listening. You can go to mobutasoul.bigcartel.com, enter code Negro, save 10%. Stay on the line when I get you off of here because I got some stories to tell you after I'm done recording. But uh, yeah, that's it. Thank you all for listening to this motherfucker. Uh, shout out to the homie Slop Funk Dust. Give them your whoa, Facebook. Whoa. Give them your phone, out here. Your Facebook, Instagram, all that good shit. Uh, Facebook, Slot Funk Dust. Uh, Instagram, Slot Funk Dust. Twitter, Slot Funk Dust. Gmail, it's Slot Funk Dust. There's only one Slot Funk Dust. 
So <laughs> there's a social media platform on there. You can find me. I'm pretty accessible. And I respond to almost all messages, even the rude ones. So. <laughs> Probably especially the rude ones knowing your ass. Anyways, this is the Negro League Podcast. Thank you all for listening. Peace. Peace. I'll be touching you to you.